Right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I hate pulpits. Don't like them. Uh, when I'm preaching to the deaf, I want them to see all of my body because all of my body is involved in sign language and especially the face. And you've noticed that on some of the things this morning that we've already been talking about. If you cannot hear me in the back, just any time, you just raise your hand, and uh, that's one more decision that I can write on my... <laughs> I'm just teasing, all right? But if, if you can't hear me, you raise your hand, and I can project more, all right? Uh, <clears throat> I was saved in 1953. That's not a joke, okay? <laughs> I was saved in 1953. God called me to work with the deaf in 1956. And I've been preaching to the deaf ever since that. July, it will be, what, 60? This is 18, isn't it? 61 years that I've been preaching to the deaf. 1965, I added my voice to the sign, so it's very natural for me to do that. So it's not, uh, which I just say, uh, so don't, don't sit there and say, I hope he doesn't confused. The only reason I would be confused is my wife would say I'm old. <laughs> uh -huh. But I am not old, I am older. <laughs> All right? I'm older than I was yesterday, all right? That's true, and I'll be older tomorrow. So I'm not old. Old is a state of mind. Yeah, yeah. And we have men and women in our church back home that are older than I, but younger in years. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, uh, I'm happy to do, I believe that God skills us to do what God calls us to do. And uh, people are always asking me, you know, there are different sign languages in every country. Every country, the signs are different, different. It's not universal. And uh, people are always asking me, how can you keep all of that in your mind? What do I answer? I'm smart. <laughs> and I can show you bruises on my ribs where my wife will say, hmm, <laughs> if she's with me. And she'll say it's because God skills him. That's the only way. But uh, I'm excited about coming to Ireland or Ireland. And uh, I, I think that God is going to open the way of reaching the deaf people here with the, uh, with the gospel. And that's always exciting. That's my purpose in living. And uh, pastor, that's my hobby. Amen. Yeah, that's my hobby. Uh, learning new sign languages. And I'm, my wife gets so upset with me. And I don't know why. <laughs> but, <laughs> That was not a joke, okay? <laughs> and and uh, I, because about a week, two, three weeks before I go to a country, especially if I've gone there before, 
and I know the signs, I always switch from ASL to whatever, like Romania or Peru or whatever, and I'll be signing away to my wife, and she'll say, I didn't understand that. Sign that. Oh, you're Peru or Romania or whatever. So uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, you can pray for my wife. She's old. <laughs> and... Uh, It really is. She's old, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, she likes her bed every night, and so she doesn't travel with me. But she also has some medical uh, problems and difficulties that uh, she can't travel with me. So she is very comfortable about staying home. And uh, she is anxious always to pack my suitcases and say, go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> For two weeks, three weeks, I can make my own decisions, eat what I want, <laughs> what I want. <laughs> and I feel the same way. I'm traveling and I'm thinking, I don't have to say, what well, we're eating at noon today. No, I don't like that. Well, you decide. No, I'm not going to decide. You, yeah, you know, you argue about that. <laughs> You know how many divorces end because they can't decide what to eat for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> so it's happy to be with you, and uh, I enjoy learning different uh, uh, cultures, different foods, all of these kinds of things. And so it's a pleasure for me to be here Amen. this morning. All right? All right. Is this ready? I'm assuming. I have a question. Now, when you're preaching to the deaf, if you say you've got a question, then you expect an answer. Deaf people just don't sit there. Um, so, when I say I've got a question, that means I want you to answer me. All right? And here's the question. Now, I hope that you can understand Americanism. Because in America, the United States, we have what we call a trick question. This is a little bit tricky, all right? Here's the question. Would God command us to do something that he knew we could not do? <laughs> Good. The answer is yes, no, okay? <laughs> the answer is yes, no, so thank you very much. Now, here's the challenge. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus commanded, and it is a command. I know enough Greek to know that's a command. It's to go and preach the gospel to every, and you notice that it says creature, but we sign it person, because creature to the deaf people means bugs and <laughs> animals and all that type. So, 
you know there's 7.5 billion and probably now there are more people living on this earth right now. Less than one half have heard the gospel. Four hundred to five hundred million deaf people living on the earth. My research said to me that there are five thousand deaf people, but forty thousand people understand sign language in Ireland. Now, here's the shame. Ninety-five <clears throat> percent of the deaf people living on the earth right now have never had the gospel explained one time. <laughs> now, when I'm in the States, I will say, that means that the total population of the United States are going to die and go to hell with never hearing the gospel. Almost four billion people and 300 million have never heard the gospel. So, how can we get the gospel to 7.5 billion people, 400 million deaf? Remember Mark 16, 15, it says what? Go preach the gospel to every person. Would God ask us to do something that we cannot do? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I would expect some very spiritual person like the pastor, or, you know, to say, well, yes, but God says, I will call you to do something you can't do, but I will enable you to do it. All right? That's the tricky part of that question. All right? But there it is. So one day, I'm thinking about this, meditating on it, and that's bad for a preacher because out of that comes a message. All right? In Luke chapter 5, verses 18 through 26, this is a happening event in the life of Jesus. Now, to get the full story, you will have to read the three accounts. The other one is in Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 2. So you read all of those and you get the whole story of what's happening. But in Luke chapter 5, yeah, verse 18 through 26, let me condense the story for you, all right? And then we're going to draw some ideas from it. And my wife would always say, how many? <laughs> And I say, just six. She said, oh, no. <laughs> That's a series of sermons. <laughs> anyway, uh, these four men, they're not named. They're called they. And you know, I think there are many people in churches that are called they. And if we didn't have they, our churches would be hurting, all right? 
Many people that just sit there, they never stand up here, they never leave the singing or play the piano or guitar, they never do anything. They just, they come and they're here, they're they, okay? Not named, never honored, and we never hear of them again after this. But these four men had a friend, and this friend was sick. He had palsy. And they, they got together and they thought, you know, if we can carry our friend to Jesus, he can heal him. So they did. And they get to the house there where Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing people, and the crowd, remember that sign? No. The crowd of people there, can you imagine them coming up and saying, uh, sir, would you move and let me take my friend to Jesus? No, I'm here. I want to see Jesus too. I, I, okay, you know. And they ask, and, and the crowd is just right there, and it's not going to be like Moses in the Red Sea and open up, and they get to Jesus. Now, most of us would say, well, we tried. We tried. I'm just sorry that it didn't succeed, but we, we tried, so we'll just go home. And, and I'm sorry, friend, you know. We tried. We really tried. No. They went up on the roof of the house. They broke open that roof and let that man down in front of Jesus. All right, that's the story. All right? Now, there's more to that, and I'll add that as we, we go along. But I want you to notice, I was thinking about this story, and I thought, would God command us to do something that we couldn't do? There's a lesson here. And I thought about that, and so I immediately started with my pen, and I said, there's lessons to learn from this story. And the first one is compassion. Now, do you understand the word compassion? It means love in action. Love in action. There's a sign that you can't use here. <laughs> Everywhere else, all over the world that I have been, you can use this is a sign for I love you. This is a sign for I, L, which is love, and Y, which is you. But now here they do L this way. So uh, it doesn't, I practiced this morning trying to find a way to do that. You can't do it. But this means I love you. It's on the front of my Bible. Now, I didn't put it there, but I, that's a long story. But this is, I love you. And often, the deaf people even have gotten bored with it. You know, they do all kinds of things, like, like uh, that's, I love the church. Uh, you know, all the kinds of things. And, and uh, I love Jim Sloan. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you can use this sign and not do anything. You can say, I really love, and I've had people come up, 
Oh, they're just crying and bawling, you know. And they say, oh, I want to do something for the deaf, and I, I would love the deaf. And that's not compassion. Compassion always means you do something. When you study the Bible and you read in the New Testament with Jesus, every time the word compassion is connected with Jesus, it always said he was moved to do something. He was moved to heal people. He was moved to feed people. He was moved with compassion. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You remember the man that left from Jerusalem and went down to Jericho and the thieves caught him, beat him almost to death and left him. The old priest came by, walked around, I love you, <laughs> and walked around. I don't know that he did that, but that's, that's a good idea, I love you. Then the Levite came by and he said, oh, I love you too, and walked on, but left him to die. But the good Samaritan came by, he saw him, and he was moved to help the man, bound up his wounds, put medicine on it, took him into the hotel and left him and paid for it. See, compassion always means that you move to do something. Now, it was interesting, oh, uh, we'll pass over that. But it's the love of Christ that constrains us to do something, okay? Now remember, the purpose of the message is to reach the 7.5 billion people and 400 to 500 million deaf people with the gospel. Compassion. As I came in, I saw a board back there. Interesting. There are three famous words that missionaries just love to use. They have it on their prayer card. They have it on their display. They'll have it on their uh, display or their PowerPoint, whatever they're doing. And it's back there on that board. Three words. Pray. Oh, yeah, give and go. Yeah, three words. Those are action words. Okay? They're action words. They mean that you've got to do something, the praying, the giving, and the going. So, just remember that now. But the second thing that we'll notice about these four men, remember they're carrying their friend, is that there were cooperation. Now I'm going to get in trouble. What would have happened if there were two men and two women to decide to take their friend? <laughs> oh, somebody is going to have a better idea than the others, and there's going to be uh -huh, some discussion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Four men. They decided to take their friend to Jesus. 
Now, can you imagine they meet together and they, one of them says, I, I think the best way to go to there is to go down here and turn here at that light and then go this way and then we're right there. Is the, this other one says, no, 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 not that, that's the wrong. That'll be so crowded there that we'll never get through that. We've got to do this and, and go this way and there's a whole lot less people walking on that way and we get right there. No, they decided and they worked together. All right, so we are laborers together with God. And in Philippians 2, 25, let me show you. <clears throat> Epaphroditus, okay, <laughs> he doesn't have a sign name. I would give him a sign name if I was preaching on him. But he's, Paul said he's my companion and labor, working together. Which is most important? Which is most important? Prime Pastor, just <laughs> let them decide. I know. <laughs> Which is most important? I tell you, I used to thought going was important. In Mark chapter 16, it's go, and that's a command. In Matthew chapter 28, it's go. That's a command. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it's a command. Go into all of these different places. Go. It's a command. And I thought, wow, that's important. And maybe, just maybe, it was because I was going. And one day, God said to me, he asked me a question, Jim, Yes, sir. Now, we, we talk. I mean, you know, I'm driving many times, many hours a day, and we're, we're talking. And, and I said, yes, sir. I'm from the South. And uh, he said, uh, if people stopped praying for you, what would happen? I thought, almost nothing. Yeah, almost nothing. He said, let me ask you another question. If people stopped giving, and I thought, it's enough. <laughs> I couldn't go. I'm not rich. I don't work. Yeah, I have fun. No, <laughs> I don't work. You know, every Friday I don't give. Oh, good. thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. And God impressed on me the fact, Pastor, you were right. Mm -hmm. All three of those are important. That's close. I thought, he's going to memorize the verse. You know, that was the verse just above this. Now, I understand that it's talking about probably witnessing and soul winning. But it's a principle there that's applied to everything because it's Old Testament as well as New Testament. We study the life of David. But he said, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And he was talking about whether you're planting the seed or watering it to make it grow, but God giveth the increase. And so God impressed on me 
that all three of those are important. And so you must decide as individuals which of those does God want you to do. Now, in me, my case, I'm doing all three. Amen. Doing all three. Pray every day for missionaries. One of your missionaries that I think you support here. I, I read uh, prayer letters for missionaries Wednesday night in my home church when I'm there. And uh, just about two or three weeks ago, Fetter? Yeah, yeah. We, we read uh, his prayer letter. And I said, oh, I know that guy, you know. <laughs> so, so we pray for missionaries. I also give an, what we call in America faith promise program. And my wife and I decide every year how much we're going to give to support the missionaries from our church. And I've, I'm going. So all three of them, you can do all three of them or special one, special two, three, whatever you're to do and to obey what God has shown you to do. But, number three, not only did they show compassion, they moved to do something. Not only did they work together, but they're also fully committed. Fully committed. Yeah, that means Nothing stopped them. Now, I emphasized on the story. They came to this house. They could not get through because of the multitude of people. They went up. They could have said, oh, well, we'll just go, go home. Maybe another time we can come or do something. But it didn't stop them. They went up on the roof, broke open the roof, and let the man down before Jesus. They were fully surrendered to finish the job. Finish the job. And um, they were surrendered. They were surrendered. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1. I almost never preach without using this verse. It's not my favorite verse either, but uh, it says that you're to present your bodies. Deaf language, this is stand on the palm. Present your body, all of you. They surrendered to do what they wanted to do and to accomplish. But, and I don't like that word, but it's an ass word, so it <laughs> finished, you know. <laughs> I, I tell my wife I'm tenacious, okay? Okay, it means the same. All right, just a more kind word. <laughs> but they were stubborn, like Paul, when he had called all of the people together from Ephesus, he said, all of these things have happened unto me, he said, but none of them moved me. What he meant was none of them stopped me. And they won't now. I am going to finish what God has given me to do, and nothing is going to stop me. Now I ask you a question. What about you?
What does God ask you to do? Pray? Give? Go? Nothing stops them. But number four, they had confidence. Now I'm going to stop signing and just go to preaching, all right? Because my time is getting shorter and shorter. Confidence. They believed that Jesus could heal that man if they got him to Jesus. Yeah. There was no doubt there, or they would not. You see, and it reminds me of the streets in Europe. I told him this morning, I said, uh, European countries did not waste any land on roads. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in America, we have to have uh, this things over here that you can pull over and park, and then the grass and all of this kinds of stuff. And I mean, you know, it's just a lot of wasted land, but we have to have it in America to drive. Because we're not, you know, I'm, okay, never, never mind now. But, uh, <coughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> anyway, can you imagine being with Jesus? Following Jesus? The disciples had been with Jesus almost two years, and I was not going to sign anymore, was I? See, it's just, it's just uh, they've been with Jesus almost two years, and Jesus says to them, have faith in God. They had seen Jesus raise the dead. They had seen Jesus heal. They had heard his teachings and all of that, and yet Jesus had to remind them, have faith in God. I like this when Paul, on his way to Rome, said that they had been dark for two weeks, they did not know where they were. He was on a ship. There was lightning and thunder and the waves. They, were, they had lightened the ship as much as they could. They had brought down the sails. They were just going. And they had no idea where they were. And one morning, this Baptist preacher gets up and he says, Folks, it's time to eat. Amen. That proves that they were Baptist, Amen. okay? <laughs> Time to eat. As they're going up and down, and people looked at him and said, we thought he was crazy. <laughs> now we know it. But this is what he told them. He said, last night an angel of God that I serve came to me, and he said, they're going to be, every person on this ship is going to be okay. You're going to lose the ship because you should have listened to me and stayed back in the port. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to lose the ship, but every person will be saved. And I believe God. Now, when God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, and then when he says in Philippians, and I'll supply your needs. Ah. And you say with confidence, I believe. God. Yeah, see, these four men believed that Jesus would heal their friend if they could get it here. Now, I need this to answer, okay? Do you believe God hears and answers prayer? Yeah, then do it. All right? Okay. Do you believe God will bless you when you give? Yeah, then do it. All right, you're getting the point. 
Do you believe God can use you? Usually, that's a lot less than yes on the first two. All right? Then do it. Here's the question. Do you believe the gospel is the power of God to save people? Anybody? Everybody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then tell it. And you might have to learn another language to do it. Ah. This is God's promise. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him without a preacher? Yeah. Without a person to proclaim it. That's God's way. God doesn't use angels. I've often wondered, you know, I, I get crazy ideas, but I've often wondered why God didn't allow the angels to do that. They're fast, you know. <laughs> they, they don't have to get on an airplane and fly and fly and fly, all of that. They don't need uh, food and, and a place to sleep. They just, I mean, you know, they're gone and whoa, you know. I, I just wondered why, but um, he wants one sinner to be able to explain to another sinner. How you can have your sins forgiven. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was a saying, one beggar explaining to another beggar, you know, that's, but I like the sinner part better. So we need deaf and hearing who will believe God and pray, give, and go. Now, there's two more, all right? Not only compassion, cooperation, and commitment, and confidence, but there was a cost. I told a pastor, I was discussing this with him, and I said, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, who paid to repair that roof? <laughs> now, brother, it would be bad here because every day it's going to rain <laughs> and water is going to get in that house, right? Somebody had to repair that house and to repair it. Now, they didn't just fix a little hole in the roof like this. They had a man, and it says in all three accounts that they put him down on the bed that he was on. And I think that was for a reason. This was a hole up there on that roof. Can you imagine the owner looking up and saying, Hi, there's the sky. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Somebody had to pay. But there was something else, too. And that is, uh, first of all, nothing is free. You know that, don't you? These men had to sacrifice. Now, in English, words always have various meanings. If you use that in the Old Testament times, it meant you brought animals. That's not what it means now. Sacrifice means to give up something that you love. That's what it means. These men sacrificed time. They couldn't call the ambulance to come take their friend to Jesus. They couldn't even get the taxi or the rail. They had to walk. So they had to come to the house 
get the man, and walk back to where Jesus was. Now, if you think your streets are small, and you probably don't, but I do, <laughs> think about it in those days. Those were just carts, horse, I mean, uh, uh, ox and cart way kind of thing, you know. Here they are, four men with this bed, with this guy in it, trying to get through those streets. It was not easy. They gave up the comfort. They could have stayed home. They could have been with their family, spent family time, quality time with their family. They gave that all up. Now, in America, I say probably, and this is a restaurant there called Cracker Barrel. Well, if you've been to America, you know Cracker Barrel. All in the front, it's, a, it's called an old country store. They have rockers, you know, rockers. That's, that's one of their trademarks, rocking. You know, you sit in it and you don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just rock back and forth. And I say, these men gave up that to walk and carry their friend. And of course, it cost them money. It cost them time and money. And you know what? If we are to obey God's command into going into all the world, it's going to require time and comfort and money. Okay? But there's one more. Compensation. This is the interesting part, and this is the part of the story I didn't tell you. And um, it goes this way. When they let down that man in front of Jesus, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the first thoughts that went through those four men? That's not why I brought him. I wanted you to heal him. <laughs> oh. Sins forgiven? So are the other people around too. And they said, yeah, he thinks he's God. He can forgive all of this kinds of stuff, you know. But Jesus said to them, he said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Yeah. They couldn't do either one. It's interesting to study the Greek. And I don't know Greek. I have a book. I have a computer. All right? Never studied Greek. I'm sorry. But... Uh, the word for forgiven there is in the perfect tense passive mood. Now, I happen to know what, and, and I can just see you're just, oh, ah, wow, that is just fantastic. Well, let me tell you what it means in English, all right? It means perfect. What does perfect mean? It means it's complete. All of his sins were forgiven. Past, present, and future, his sins were totally forgiven. All right? But the passive tense means he had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. You want your sins forgiven this morning? You cannot do penance. You cannot do works. You cannot give enough money. You cannot pray long enough. It's only when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior 
that just like this man, all of your sins will be forgiven you. I was in Kenya, no, yeah, Kenya, Africa, a couple of years ago now. I have computer, I have a projector, I have a universal plug that goes into all of the different kinds of plugs. I had my three flash drives in my briefcase. I said to the pastor, because of something that happened the year before, I said, let's go check out the building to make sure that they have electricity, yeah, everything, okay, we do that. And so coming back, he said, let's stop for lunch. And I said, okay, so we stopped for lunch. I left my computer and all of that in the car because he always, well, almost always <laughs> locks it. Came back out and uh, James Campbell, the deaf man that was with me, said, uh, Jim, where's your computer? I said, it'll show up. I thought somebody was trying to give me a hard time and had hidden it, you know. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no, it, it's gone. And it was. It was stolen. My computer, my projector, uh, my, when I saved that plug because it cost me $70, you know, and it goes around and around and then you plug it into different places all over Europe and so forth. I don't have to carry one for every one, you know, different. But um, anyway, uh, it was gone, you know. And I said to the pastor, it's gone. He said, no, we go to police, go to police. I said, okay, but it's gone. I, I've been in too many different countries, you know, to know it's gone. So anyway, they, they said to me, there were three deaf preachers, or three preachers to the deaf, two deaf and me. And uh, they, when it would come my time to preach, this was at a deaf camp, they came to me and they said, Brother Sloan, what are you going to do? You don't have your projector. You don't have your flash drives, which had all of my mind on them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they said, what are you going to do? You've got to preach. And I said, when I started preaching to the deaf, all we had was a blackboard and white chalk. <laughs> I said, you think that it's going to stop me because all of that stuff is gone? It doesn't bother me a bit. No. You know, every Christian computer has a demon in it. Oh, yeah. And, and sometimes it just refuses to work. And then you oh, I can't preach without my computer. I can. Anyway, uh, just before I was to get up and preach, I asked him, I said, do you have a board? Yeah, we have a white board. You have pen, yeah, give it to me, you know, and uh, if I could show you a slide of it and you could try to read the writing, then you know why I use PowerPoint, okay, <laughs> <coughs> but uh, yes, I did learn cursive, but uh, <laughs> it's a cursing, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, just before I'm to get up and I'm writing on the board and just before I'm to preach, James Campbell, the deaf man, comes to me and he said, Jim, there is a Church of Christ deaf preacher here. I said, okay. He said, we've been discussing baptism. What's new? Okay. And I said, okay. He said, can you teach on that tonight? Now, Pastor, you know how 
how difficult it is when you've got a PowerPoint to just change. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't flow, it doesn't work right. And I said, sure. So I just started right, boom, I got to that place and I just said, all right, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, Ephesians 4 something, Colossians 1.14, it must be Ephesians 1.7, Colossians uh, 1.14, and then I said Colossians 2.23, I think it is, or 13, one of those. So I wrote those on the board. So when I got to that place, I said, I want you to open your Bibles and read 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7 where it says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse uh, 7, it says, and we have forgiveness through the blood. Colossians 1, 14, I think it is, or 13, somewhere along in there, says almost the same thing. And then in Colossians chapter 2, it says again that we are forgiven all of our iniquities. And man, I preached on that and emphasized that invitation. The Church of Christ preacher came forward. And he said, for the first time, I understand that it's the blood that forgives sins and not water. And he was saved. He didn't do anything to have forgiveness of sins. He simply believed and received. This man had forgiveness of sins, which is important. And then Jesus healed him. They said, okay, that's why you're here. Get up and walk and uh, take your bed with you and go. <laughs> and uh, no more is said about the four men, nothing. There it is. What about for us today? Well, if we go and tell, people are going to be saved. Yeah. Churches are going to be established. That's the purpose of missionaries. But here's the clincher. The judgment seat of Christ. When we have obeyed Jesus, whether it is by praying or giving, or going. At the judgment seat of Christ is where we're going to be rewarded. Yeah. Three weeks ago, and I finished in Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is a cold place. I mean, it, it's cold. They have snow, and on this particular week. I was up there for one week and we had a deaf retreat. It was a good time, fellowship. I was supposed to preach in a deaf church on Sunday morning and then travel further north in Wisconsin and preach on Sunday night to a church that supports us. Well, Friday it began. Saturday was horrible. The church in Wisconsin Rapids called me and they said, we're going to have to cancel church on Sunday because they're saying it's going to be the worst that we have ever had and it was bad. Snow, ice, 
mostly ice. And so I was staying in a hotel, and on Sunday morning, the church there called me, and they said, it's too much ice. We can't let them come, so we're going to cancel Sunday morning. <clears throat> but at that retreat, I came in early in the morning, about 6, for coffee. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to have coffee in here, but that's all right. Anyway, um, I was sitting there, and I was talking with several of the deaf that came, and this lady said to me, do you remember a film called Man of Steel? Yeah. Back in 1967, my wife and I began to put the, the titles, subtitles, captions on Christian movies for the deaf. They can't hear. So we put the words on the bottom, like the captions on television now. We did that with movies. And we just sent those all. We had 18 at one time, and we just sent them all over America. I mean, uh, Catholic churches, uh, Episcopal churches, Lutheran churches, Assemblies of God, all the different churches. We were the only ones that had them. And we, my wife and I, made sure that the gospel was explained in every movie. Well, we asked them to report back to us, and many times they did not. You know, sometimes they did not give an invitation or anything like that. This woman said to me, do you remember the name Man of Steel? And I said, yeah, it was one of our movies. She said, I was saved through that movie. I didn't know that. But I wrote on Facebook, I said, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be interesting. Probably the things that I thought that we would receive reward, God said, I'm sorry, you got the praise for that already. It's finished. It's going to be the things that happen that we don't even know that's going to be the rewards. But that's it. So there you have the story. You want to reach the world with the gospel? That's what it takes. Compassion. Commitment, cooperation, and all of the other things. Shall we pray? Father, I, I, I pray that you will touch hearts this morning. Use the message for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your hymnal, please.